This week, we're starting a new series uh, called The Ten Words. The Ten Words. And uh, so the Ten Commandments is also known as the Decalogue, okay? And uh, that just means ten words, okay? Decalogue, ten words. And so we're calling the series uh, The Ten Words. And um, and today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Christian life and the Ten Commandments, because I think before we start diving into these individually, we need to know why we would care. Why, why would you want to study the Ten Commandments and obey them? I mean, that's Old Testament, right? Aren't we New Testament believers? Uh, which These are good questions that, that we should have, um, and how, how the law relates to us as uh, believers in Jesus. I think this is a good question. We're going to get into some of that today. Um, but let's, first of all, go to God. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've been reading in my own personal time about just worship, um, primarily even just corporate worship, worship together as a family, and just thinking about how, um, you know, because of Jesus, right, because if we have a relationship with him, our worship is acceptable to God, but also our hearts still need to, need to be right, okay? Um, I mean, we, we come to God through Jesus Christ, right, um, but, but our hearts need to be in a place where we realize that worship is not what we get out of it, right? Our worship, the target of worship is God. It is for Him, okay? So, so maybe we didn't sing your favorite song today. Maybe we're not preaching on your favorite passage today, but it doesn't really matter as long as you are here to seek and worship God and give Him your all, amen? That's why we're here, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this gathering. Thank you for um, the believers that are here, uh, where we want to know you better. We want to serve you more faithfully. And Lord, we just thank you too that, you know, there may be some people here who are still seeking to understand who you are. And we pray, God, that you would give wisdom, that you would grant insight to everyone here today, who you are, who your son is, and how much you love us. So, Lord, I pray that as we get into this uh, series here, that you would illuminate our hearts, God, that you would um, cause us to just be more and more in love with you, and that we would delight in your law. We would delight in it. We would, your law would not be a duty, but it would really be a delight as we dive into the, the deep end here with these different commandments, Father. And Lord, we also just want to take time as a church family and just lift up anyone in our church family and in our families here that is sick right now, who's physically unable to be here. Uh, Lord, we just pray for your spiritual nourishment to come their way right now, that your um, Holy Spirit uh, would touch their bodies, would touch their minds, would touch their hearts. Um, restore their bodies to health. God. Uh, we know that with God, all things are possible. And so, Lord, we just pray, those that are depressed, Lord, lift them out of the depths of despair and give them hope. Those who are just really suffering right now physically, Lord, grant them relief, we pray. And, Lord, help us to be your hands and feet, to serve one another, to serve even you know those that we're just praying for. And um, even before we leave today, God, help us see that uh, 
The ministry time is still going on after we say amen. And uh, you still want to use us here in, as we are hanging out and sharing. And uh, Lord, just that we pray, God, that it would be a, a, continue to be a time of ministry after we have sung the last song. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you would, uh, please stand in honor of the Word of God. And let's read uh, this section in Exodus chapter 20, uh, and so we're going to read the first 17 verses of Exodus 20, and let's say, hey, let's, we haven't done this for a while, let's read it together out loud. We'll have the words right up here. All right, here we go. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates." For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Has it been a while since you've read that passage? It was for me. It was for me, and it's just good to be reminded of what God gave his people there in the wilderness. Um, And And what I wanted to do this morning is there's really just two main things I wanted to share with you, Um, and and that is looking at this question of why study and obey the Ten Commandments. Now, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why this is a good idea, but I'm really going to kind of focus in on two, um, two of them. So I want to take a look at what's going on here before... uh, God gives the commands. And so the first reason I think it's a good idea for us to study and obey the Ten Commandments is because of who we are as believers. Because of who we are. Now, I think it's important that we look at uh, those first two verses in Exodus 20. It's called the prologue. It's kind of like the introduction, so to speak, of the Ten Commandments that will clue us in to why I'm saying this. Why we're saying that we want to obey and study these Ten Commandments because of who we are. Look back at verse 2. 
verse 2 of Exodus 20 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now what's God saying here? Before he delivers these commandments about how he wants his people to live, he's saying, I'm doing this because I have redeemed you. I have saved you out of slavery. Remember, this is uh, Moses is receiving the, the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai while the people are at the foot of the mountain, right? And well, what's happened before that? They've been delivered out of 400 years of slavery, right? God heard the cry of his people, and he answered their prayer for deliverance, right? And he sent Moses as his man right, to lead this deliverance. But God was the deliverer, right? So God is saying here before he tells them the Ten Commandments and how he wants them to live, right, because that's basically what they are. It's kind of a summary of how God wants his people to live, right? He's saying, I want you to obey these because I have delivered you. Obeying these will not deliver you, you obey them because you have been delivered, you see? There's a big difference, and I think it's important for us as believers to get that order right, okay? In other words, we're not going to focus on these Ten Commandments and learn uh, what they're about uh, to say that, well, if we follow them, we'll be in better graces with God, or I'll, I'll lock in my salvation with Him. No, no, we, we do this in response to what he has done for us, okay? So this is what God is telling his people before he gives them. So we don't want to obey what was called the moral law here, uh, the, the Ten Commandments, to be saved or to be made right with God. We obey the Ten Commandments because we have been saved and have a relationship with God and because we want to live the way he wants us to, okay? When, when you come to faith in Christ, right, you come into a relationship with God, then he actually, it says in Scripture, writes the law on our hearts. On our hearts. And what I take that to mean, at least uh, in part, is that we want to do what he wants us to do. Now, we still fall short, for sure, if we're honest, right? But the desire to do God's will is there for the believer, okay? And so... So all of what we do now as believers is because of what Jesus has done. Can you hear me? All of what we're doing now is in a response, in effect, to what Jesus has done for us. You can see this in other places in Scripture, this kind of pattern of, well, I am saved and now, therefore, I'm going to live God's way, right? We see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Um, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So there you have that, you know, you're not saved by works, you're saved by faith. And, and, and that even that comes from God. It's a gift, right? Salvation is a gift. Um, but then he says in verse 10, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the walking in good works comes after the saving, okay? Now, you also see the same pattern um, in the book of Romans, 
right? The first 11 chapters in Romans uh, tell us all about why we need a Savior and why Jesus is the one, right? And that our, our response, it starts off in chapter 12 then, our, our only logical response to seeing our great need for a Savior and the love He has shown for us on the cross is to give our whole lives in service of Him. Remember what it says there in um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1? He says, I appeal to you therefore. Right? What is he saying therefore for? Because of all the 11 chapters that came before, I appeal to you on the basis of God's mercies that, have come, that we've shown you here in these 11 chapters. Then he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, so we're just simply saying here in this first point that, you know, real Christian freedom, right? So we're, we're talking about these, these God's people set free from slavery, literally, right? But for the New Testament Christian, I'll say, for the, for the believer, since we, we have Jesus now, Okay, well, we've been set free. We've been set free from sin. Romans clearly says that before you come to Christ, you are a slave to sin. Okay? Once you come to Christ, put your faith in Him, confess your need for the Savior, that you're a sinner, and you receive His grace and His righteousness and His power, you now have the ability to say no to sin. The death blow has been laid to sin, okay? We still do sin, but we actually have now the power to say no to it, whereas before we did not. You hear me? This is what this is saying, is that so, so you might think, you might think that freedom, that real freedom comes from being able to do whatever you want, and that's actually not real freedom. Real freedom is, is not being able to do what you want, it's being free and empowered by the Spirit of God to do what He wants. Being free to do what He wants. That's what Christian freedom is. And so, so what um, God is telling His people here is, because I have delivered you, now you're free right, to live like I want you to. And then He's going to lay out. You know, these Ten Commandments, that'll describe how we're to relate to God and how we're to relate to one another. That's how the commandments are laid out. Now, there is a quotation I want to read for you. That Basically, the gist of it, and I'll read it here in a second, it, it, the gist of it is that laws are good. Um, I mean, I, I think if we admit it, laws are good. Now, you know, there, it's a good thing we have traffic laws, Right? Um, because, you know, they do keep us safe. You might disagree with some of them. Um, but, you know, stop signs are good. You know, even speed limits are good. Okay? Uh, it, I mean, it, it, it just, you know, I was thinking about, uh, about the stop sign thing. Uh, a guy that I played basketball with in high school got in a car accident in the middle of nowhere because they ran a stop sign. I mean, literally. I mean, because the middle of nowhere was where I lived. Okay, I know that address, okay? And I'm like, that's just crazy, you know? What are the chances? Well, it happens in the middle of nowhere when you don't follow the law. 
right? Well, aren't you glad also that there's copyright laws? So if you come up with a great idea, nobody can steal it. It's yours. How about um, land laws? Isn't it nice that only one person can have a deed to the land at a time? I mean, wouldn't it be crazy if you could have multiple deeds for the same piece of land and then now it's like a free-for-all? That's a problem, okay? Laws are good. Laws are good. And they serve a purpose, really do. They really do. And so let's get to this quotation by uh, G.K. Chesterton. Here's what he says. He says, and so he's using this analogy. He says, we might fancy some children playing on the flat grassy top of some tall island in the sea. So long as there was a wall around the cliff's edge, they could fling themselves into every frantic game and make the place the noisiest of nurseries. So, so, so he's saying kind of like this. There's island. It's surrounded by a wall. It's protecting them from the cliffs on the edges. And so these children are playing on that island and just totally free, right? Uh, not a care in a sense, joyfully playing. Then he says, but the walls were knocked down leaving the naked peril of the, of the precipice. In other words, there's the cliffs, right? They did not fall over, but when their friends returned to them, they were all huddled in terror in the center of the island, and their song had ceased. You see what he's saying is like the laws are like the walls, right? And there's security, and there's good to have the boundaries. They protect us, right? So we need to realize that that laws are good. Laws are good. Now, I was um, thinking about this also that there's really another one. This is kind of like a bonus point, okay? If you will, there's a, really another. There's there's a, another blessing or reason to to obey the Ten Commandments, and that is it's. Think about Matthew five sixteen. Matthew five sixteen says, "In the same way, let your light shine before others." so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Well, I can imagine that some of those good works you're doing are in response to living out your faith, following God's commands, doing His will, right? So a byproduct, if you will, of of obeying God's commands is evangelism. It's evangelism. It's, It's people seeing There's something different about this person over there. Following God's will, right? Submitting to His commands because knowing that there's a reason for those commands, that God's designed us to live according to this way. Now, some people, when you hold to these commands, are going to look at you like you're a two-headed monster, okay? Like you're weird, you're just not fitting in with today's culture. And you got to be okay with that. Okay? Uh, I, I don't think we should be going out of our way to look like a two-headed monster to people. Okay? But I think that there are times when you're just going to have to say, well, this is what God says. I, we have to stand on that and know that the designer um, of all this knows the best. Right? And so... So, so, you know, just this other idea of there's a blessing there in that other people are affected by our obedience. And uh, now, our obedience of the commands of God are an expression, again, kind of getting back to this point. What are we saying? This, main, this first main point is just that we want to obey 
study these Ten Commandments because of who we are. Who are we? The people of God. Right? If you've got, put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you're part of the people of God. You're a son or daughter of God. You're His. And as His children, He has a will for us, a desire for us, and some of that is expressed there in the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. There's a, a, a couple of verses in 1 John 5 that express this idea, this truth, that our obedience of the commands of God are an expression of our love for Him and our love for others. Let's take a look. 1 John 5, verse 2 and 3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God. How do I know you love me? How do you know I love you? Well, he's going to tell us. He says, when we love God and obey his commandments. You hear that? I mean, a lot of people like to say, well, we're just under the law of love now. Okay, well, that's true. But what does that mean? It doesn't just mean any old thing. It doesn't mean anything that quivers your liver or makes you feel good. Practically speaking, love of God is when we, we, we love one another, when we love God and obey his commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love of God. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I don't know if you heard that in my pastoral prayer, but I was praying there that we would delight in the law of God. Right? We want it, we want to serve the Lord not out of duty, but out of delight. Right? And so my heart's desire, my prayer is that all of us, myself included, as we go through this series, that we would delight more and more in the law of God. Okay? So, there you have, there in 1 John chapter 5, verses uh, 2 and 3, just really clearly stated, right? How do we express our love for God? How does God want us to live now? Well, He, he wants us to love Him, and how do we do that? How do we love each other? By keeping His commands. That's you know, and if you if you think about and look at the Ten Commandments as um, God telling us uh, how to love Him, and then how to love each other, right? Jesus then in the New Testament summarizes those even right in Matthew chapter twenty-two. What does He say is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it: to love your neighbor as yourself. So, so those ten, if you will, can be summarized in two. But the ten kind of explain the two, okay? And that's why we're going to take a deeper look at that. Now, all right, so that's kind of the first, the first of the two points. This is that we want to study and obey the Ten Commandments because of who we are as God's people. Because we have been delivered. Because we have been set free. We've been set free to live how He wants us to. Well, how does He want us to live? Well, part of that will is expressed through the Ten Commandments. All right, now, second point. Second point here is just that the Ten Commandments are central to the ethics of the New Testament. They're kind of central to the ethics of the New Testament. Now, you say ethics, that's kind of like, you know, what's right and wrong, right? Doing what's right, doing what's wrong. And so, um, because a lot of people, I'm telling you, I'm hearing this more and more, is that they just want to separate themselves from the Old Testament. They, they, uh, in fact, I even heard, I'm not going to say who it is, I even heard a very prominent preacher say, we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. 
Very controversial statement and got a lot of press online. This is like probably five or six years ago. But at any rate, um, we need to realize, no, uh, there's a connection here. It's the same God in the Old Testament as in the New. Uh, and then, of course, uh, questions come up, and we'll get to that in a second here, about like, well, why don't we follow all those laws there then in the Old Testament? We'll get to that. But let's talk about that the fact that the Ten Commandments are reiterated in various forms in the New Testament. So my point in bringing this up is that you can't say, well, it's not in the New Testament, so therefore we don't need to do it. Even though I think that's bad theology anyway, okay, for that reason alone. But, but there's good reason to see this in the New Testament. Take a look at Mark chapter 10, 17 to 22. And as he was sitting, uh, setting out on his journey, this is Jesus talking about Jesus, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear fault witness, do not defraud, Honor your mother and uh, father and mother. And he said to them, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth, which is just crazy in itself, thinking about that. Okay? And then it says, And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had, he had great possessions. Now, a lot going on in this little passage here, all right? But Jesus is not telling the man that if he keeps the commandments, he'll have eternal life. He's not saying that. He's really trying to point out the fact that he has not kept the commandments. If you make note of all the commandments that Jesus lists there on what's called the second table of the law, right? The the the, the uh, laws that have to do with how we treat each other. He left one off. You know what it was? Do not covet. That was intentional. He wanted this guy to come to the, to the realization that when he said, go and sell all that you have, that was his issue. That was his problem. That's what he was unwilling to let go of, to follow Jesus. Right? And so, so Jesus is not telling him, you know, this is how you, you, you have eternal life is by following this commandments. He's trying to say, you need to see that uh, you're, you're resting on a self-righteousness that's not even real, okay? Um, you are self-righteous. And so, now, but the reason I bring this passage up is that it's important to notice that when Jesus wants to summarize our neighborly responsibilities, what does he start doing? He starts listing off some of the Ten Commandments, okay? So Jesus has not thrown out the Ten Commandments. Uh, you can also see this when you study the Sermon on the Mount. On the Sermon on the Mount, in a certain section, Jesus takes a deep dive on the Ten Commandments and says, that, hey, you know, adultery is more than just a physical act. It's like, what's going on up in here, right? You can lust in your heart, commit adultery in your heart. Jesus kind of raises the bar even on the Ten Commandments. So he doesn't throw them out. It's not like the Ten Commandments don't have any bearing on us as New Testament believers, okay? So Jesus, my point in bringing up these passages, this one here in Mark and the one 
there in Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when you read the, the Sermon on the Mount, is that Jesus didn't throw out the Ten Commandments. Now, what about Paul? Okay, the Apostle Paul also mentions some of these. Take a look at Romans chapter 13, verse 8 and on. Romans 13, 8 to 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, excuse me, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Well, look at how this is linked together. He's saying, yes, we need to love our neighbor. How are we to do that? He says, keep the commandments. So, you know, Paul's just, when he's in various places, when Paul starts listing off, um, you know, behavioral lists, um, how God wants us to live, he's, some of the times he's going back and he's pulling the commandments. Okay? One last thing to mention here with, along Paul is in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Remember, what are we doing here? Um, we're talking about why would we want to study the Ten Commandments? Why do we need to obey them? Is this really important? And our first point there was the fact because of who we are. Because we are the people of God, just like there in Exodus, right? And also we saw passages in the New Testament that show this pattern of we've been delivered, we've been saved, and now we want to live under His rule and reign, right? How do we know His will? Well, some of the ways is just through the commandments. Okay, now, 1 Timothy 1, uh, hang on, did I whizzed right past that, didn't I? No, I didn't. Didn't get to it yet. <laughs> there we go. 1 Timothy 1, 8 to 11. Now, it says, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane. For those who strike their fathers and mothers, start listening now because, well, listen to the whole thing, but you're going to start to see con connections to the commandments. If you strike your mom and dad, are you honoring them? Eh, no, right? Murderers for murderers, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, there you have within them, in case you could put in those in categories of, um, of, uh, of the Ten Commandments. He says, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine as a catch-all, right? In accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So it's important for you to know, bringing up all the scriptures that, you know, your pastor just didn't go off on some tangent here and decide that this would just make a great series. Ten weeks, he's got it figured it out. No, God's word all throughout is telling us right? That we, one of the ways we show that we love God and have His law written on our hearts by His Spirit is by living these out by His power and by, and under His grace, okay? Um, it's important that you, that you, your convictions lie in the Word of God, okay? Um, and that you, you recognize how do New Testament, how do believers now relate to the Old Testament law? And let me just get into that just real quickly here. Because at this point, some people are saying, okay, well, I hear what you're saying about the Ten Commandments, but then how do we know which of the laws we should be 
paying attention to, in a sense, in the Old Testament, and which ones don't apply anymore, it'll appear to some people that it gets kind of random. Well, let me just give you a way to think about it, and you've probably heard this before, but just in case you haven't, let me share it this way. So, um, so as a, as a believer in Jesus, we are no longer under the curse of the law. Okay? We're no longer under the curse of the law. Now, um, so we, we don't have to keep all the law to be made right with God. Okay? That's, that's not what we have to do anymore because Christ has fulfilled the law. He has completely obeyed it, right? And uh, his, he, he, he was the complete and perfect offering, sin offering for us on the cross, right? So take a look um, at uh, Romans chapter... My thing's not... Here we go. Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. You see the, the contrasting of two laws there, right? What is he saying? So he says the law of the Spirit versus... Um, so he says, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Well, the law of the spirit is the gospel or good news of Jesus. Okay, that's the law of the spirit. All right, the message of new life uh, through faith in a resurrected Christ. The law of sin and death is the Old Testament law of God. Okay, now, uh, meaning all the civil laws, all the ceremonial laws, like civil laws would be like how, you know, what happens if, you know, you knock over your neighbor's cow and you kill it? What do you got to do? I mean, there's all kinds of laws like that, right? Civil laws on how to deal with things and how judges should judge things and, and so on. Um, and then you've got ceremonial laws, another category, if you will, that has to do with cleansing and forgiveness and sacrifices, right? And then you have this category that we would call, and I mentioned it several times, the moral law the moral law, and, and certainly the Ten Commandments would be in that category of how God wants us to love Him and love other people. Okay? So, Jesus said He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right? So, in fulfilling it, right, he, we no longer have to offer sacrifices. No have to worry about becoming unclean because we're clean in Jesus. We've been cleansed by the blood of Christ and all of that. Right Now, we don't have to follow the civil law anymore because um, the program has changed here that right initially the people of God was a nation state, a theocracy, right? Well, that's no longer happening, right? Because with Christ now, not all who are Israel descended from Israel, Paul says in Romans chapter 9. In other words, to be a real Israelite, you don't have to be descended physically and genetically in the family tree, right? It's by faith. It's by faith you're brought into the family of God, right? And so, so we don't need to follow those civil laws that were made for God's nation state, okay? Now, there can be some good principles you can probably pull out of those civil laws, but we're not going around and following them like we need to, okay? Like, like they would have needed to then as God's nation state, okay? You guys with me? Okay, so... Um, so what, we're, what I'm saying is, and I think what Scripture is telling us, especially when we looked at all that stuff in the New Testament, it seems to still connect with God's moral law, 
But when you see what Christ has done and that he has fulfilled that ceremonial law and that you see now that God has opened up the way of salvation to, to anyone who will believe in Christ, right? That those, uh, and that it's no longer this, God's people is not just some nation state, okay? That it, it's different now that you can see that, no, we're not picking and choosing. There is a, there is a logicalness to what we're doing here with the moral law. Does that make sense to you? Okay. All right, so, so we have been set free from this law that would condemn us if we had to keep it to be right with God, right? Okay, so anyone who doesn't have Christ, that law is condemning them, okay, because they're not, they're sinning against God, but they don't have a covering. They don't have forgiveness, right? So they are under, the, under that curse, right? All right, so... All that to say, this is a good idea. <laughs> I think this is a good thing because we, we need to know how God has expressed to us how he wants us to worship. Him, right? And that's what the first part of the ten words talk about. And then, and then the, the, the second table, as I said, the, the things that have to do with how we are, you know, how are we to love each other? You know, and you might say, well, pastor, it's going to be a short message some of those days. You know, do not murder. See you later. Uh, No, there's much more to this because it's not just that negative thing, but there's also a reason why, right? There's also a reason why. And we're just going to explore that. And then, uh, and again, my hope and prayer is that we'll know God better, that we'll, um, uh, and that we'll love each other better, okay? Um. And that the world may know Jesus Christ is Lord as we live our lives before our watching world. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much that we have this word and it it fits together like a glove. And um, thank you, God, that we don't have to keep the law (laughs) to be made right with you. Thank you, God, that we're not under the curse of the law because of what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, willingly offered himself up for us. And because of him, anyone, because of what he's done, anyone who will confess their sin and acknowledge their need for the Savior, he will forgive them, come into their life, and through his spirit, through the Spirit of God, write the law of God. On their heart. Thank you because of the, if we could say this, the miracle of the Holy Spirit that you've put within us. You transform us. You transform our desires. And it's a process. But you transform our desires to want to do what you want us to do. And Father, we just pray. Pray that you be glorified as we seek to know you more through these Ten Commandments. And Father, thank you for the reminder that as believers in Jesus, we don't have to keep them to earn your great favor. But Lord, we want to follow them and understand them and apply them so that we can properly love each other and to show show you that we love you. Thank you for your wonderful mercies. Father, we commit 
rest of our day to you. We commit this time of singing to you, Lord. Engage our hearts. Engage our minds to worship you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.